Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast based on writers sitting around drinking coffee and or occasionally wine and talking about anything and everything. We may use explicit language and will almost certainly drop F-bombs, but none of that is the point or the drive of the content. So consider us PG-13. There will be rants and raves and occasional readings. There will be conflicting creative advice driven by a at least three utterly disparate points of view. Your hosts today are Jeannie Warner and myself, John Schmidt. This is episode 21, The Inspiration to Get Things Done. So Jeannie, I think this is a timely time to talk about a couple things that I have tried to use to get things done and succeeded or not succeeded with. And you have a number of wonderful things I'd like you to talk about, but I want to mention to start off NaNoWriMo and Inktober and then cry over the failure of my writing group. What have you got? I, I think we should start with Inktober because by God, Halloween comes before Turkey Day. That's a point. Inktober then. Inktober. Do you know what Inktober is? I've never really participated in Inktober. Tell me about it. Well, Inktober, I don't actually know how it started. I always found out about it by going to Twitter and looking up Inktober. And if you go to Twitter and look up Inktober through time, what you will find is a whole bunch of people writing sketches. Writing sketches, he says. Ha, ha, ha. Um, Like tweeting ideas? Is this one-liners? No, Inktober is a series of sketch prompts that causes art to be made. And if you go look it up on the the book, the book of faces or on the tweet place, uh, you will find thousands and thousands. And I'm looking at them right now. Today, there were 2,400 in October, 2019. Um, hashtag Inktober. Hashtag Inktober posts. Okay. And I'm losing it today. The, the quote, the prompt is dragon. And the reason I bring that up is two years ago, I wanted to take on some poetry prompt that would push me to write every day. And so I took the Inktober list and every day you get one word and you can interpret it as you, as you may. So on the word today, dragon, I might write a sonnet about the fire of the sleeping dragon of politics or I might write a sonnet about, or I might actually wrote a limerick about a friend who happens to have a dragon persona, but it's open-ended. It doesn't matter. And there is a whole, you know, 2,400 so far today, and we're not through with the day people posting. And that worked really well for very short, in my case, poetry fiction. And because it is a monthly thing every year, someone, and I, I apologize, I didn't look up their name. We'll put it in the notes. We'll figure it out. Publishes the list of prompts and you just go with it. I'm not doing it this year, but my Facebook keeps coming up with the ones I've done in the past. And occasionally, occasionally I'll repost one. The advantage when we talk about inspiration in this form is that anything that gets you to do work is good. It doesn't all have to be good work if you can 
reform it. Another thing. Uh, I, I was going to say, let me stop right there and say, fuck good. I mean, I'm sorry. Well, sometimes it's just getting something down and getting into the habit. I mean, I, I call this the inspiration to get things done because GTD matters a lot. And the habits you create and setting aside time to do it every day is hugely important. And having a prompt to push you, which leads us to NaNoWriMo. Are you familiar with NaNoWriMo? Oh, I've done NaNoWriMo. I actually used to call it NaNoFIMO. Uh, I always had you know, novels that I'd been screwing around with through the year. and like, okay, I really meant to finish it this year. I've done three now, so I'm going to go NaNoFIMO. So I'm going to finish my novel there. But I've done a couple from the beginning. Um, I have to confess that in terms of raw, brand new, I have never gotten to my 50,000. But I got in the 40,000, so I'm still counting it as a win. So it's a definite win. Um, it's it's kind of neat. And there are, in many parts of the world, local groups that support. Like, for instance, when I was down in Australia, there was a NaNoWriMo group that said, hey, we noticed you're all signed up. Do you want to meet us down at the harbor for uh, drinks and writing? And So you were in Sydney if they were meeting you at the harbor, yes? Uh, yeah. yeah. So if you're in Mountain View, there are three places, and one of them is the I'm going to name it the Red Rock Cafe, which has an upstairs room, which would completely fill... It's in Mountain View on Castro Street. On Castro Street, Red Rock Coffee. And their upstairs room was sometimes completely filled with writers. To the point that there are... If you go to Chromatic Coffee, which is in Cupertino, there is still a writing group meeting there based on the NaNoWriMo. So this leads us... NaNoWriMo, or in your case, NaNoWriMo... Is that followed by Nano Edmo? Uh, National Novel Editing Month? Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm a crap editor. I would not be the person you'd want to pick for oh, that. Okay. I have I have enough problems dealing with work edits and things of like how in the world could you have said it this way? And but National Rimo or National yeah. Nano Nano and NanoFimo get you the words on the page. Yes. And sometimes get you a group that's going on. There's, there's other ways of finding groups that kind of push you on, like um, Madeline Robbins is doing the Clarion West Write-A-Thon, where you basically say, I'm going to write this many, and it's the same way as a run-a-thon or eat cheese-a-thon, although there isn't such a thing. I would totally eat cheese for charity. I just want to throw it out there if anybody wants to start one. But to write-a-thon is how many words are you going to get every day and have somebody who pledges you know, a few pennies a word towards a, a charity to get things done. Do you know what charity she's contributing to? I don't, but I will totally ask her and put it in the liner notes. Yes, and I believe she's putting updates. I didn't realize this was why, but I believe she's putting updates on Twitter, yeah. which give the number of words and also at least a phrase out of it, which is fascinating. I find it very inspiring because it gives you insight into her wordsmithing, and I'm impressed by the elegance of her writing and also the 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 striking immediacy of it. The the writing down of how many words you write every day is actually really, really great. Um, I found this, I for a while was listening to uh, Productivity Alchemy over by Kevin Sonny, as you all know, and our favorite Ursula Vernon. And she kind of says, okay, if I need to get a novel done here, I need to do roughly this many words per, and she breaks it down the same way you break down any project. This is going to be a novel of 90,000 words or more. Therefore, if it's due in three months, I need to do this much a day. I didn't do anything today. This means I need to do this much tomorrow. How do you make up for it? How do you not get into a, a loss? It's almost like balancing your checkbook in a strange little way, saying, 
I have this much money. I need to get this many words. However you want to divide it. Well, given Ursula's or, or T. Kingfisher's balancing your horror book. But, you know, yeah. you twist like the twisted ones and you write like the writing ones. Thank you. I lay down with the writing ones. Yes. No, don't lay down <laughs> with the writing ones. You'll distract them again. You got to write with the writing ones. Writing with the writing ones. But, yeah, but knowing what's coming up. And that's the thing about NaNoWriMo is it's 50,000 words. You're going to get to 50,000 words by writing how many words every day if you have 30 days to do it. Well, you just do the math. Um, there was a little piece of what I got dragged into uh, Katie Murphy, C.E. Murphy, and Chaz dragged me onto 100 days of writing. So every day for 100 days, we write at least 100 words, and you're obliged to go online and write down how many words you did. Where online do you put this? Is this another Twitter thing? Uh, this is actually a Facebook group. And uh, this one is private, so it's invitation. But I went and looked up, and I found there were a whole bunch of others. That if you just enter writer's group, there seem to be a lot that people want to be online and want to hold each other accountable and want to encourage. There's the Inner Circle Writers Group um, on Facebook that you have to have submit or succeed and be published by them. But then it's there to encourage, and it's and you know resources for each other. So I, I think writers groups of any kind are hugely important. I have to agree to, with you, especially because writers, by and large, and I'm not, I'm speaking ex officio, I don't know, tend to be introverts because it's an introverted thing. You have to be inside your head to mine the words out and, and push right. them out onto and, the paper. And Chaz did brag about how he sits alone in the dark, you know, waiting for the muggers. And that's all he did for his first 18 years of being a writer. And that's not how I roll. So <laughs> if, you, well, if you're out there in one of those, I don't need help. I don't need anybody. I'm just going to write, you know, great works of literature alone. Yay. But for some of the rest of us, I kind of need that social. And I think that um, extending this based on what some of the other writers who've come on this podcast have said, there's a lot of strength in having a group that reinforces your good and helps quiet down your bad. And at the very least, the whole responsibility thing and seeing, you know, writing has expanded hugely. The fact that there's the, the role-playing communities and the live, I would call it more than LARP, it's live acting communities and what used to be called slash and then became called fanfic, but now has produced huge works, um, without getting into detail over specific ones. Right. And I even talked to someone who was in a romance writing group uh, who I would love to bring on the show and we're working that out. Well, and, and let's be honest, not every writing group works out for every person. And sometimes you need to find the right group. John just sighed heavily and shook his head. Tell me about your first writer's group. If it's not, you know, painful. I am blessed with having a huge amount of intelligent friends and I decided long ago to improve my writing. And so I gathered a group of said intelligent friends. And after a little discussion, we decided that we would work through the prompts and exercises in the book, Steering the Craft by Ursula Le Guin, which is just a wonderful book for looking at your writing in different ways and doing it. And so we started with five and pretty soon we were down to three because if you didn't bring something written to the weekly meetings, you didn't get to talk. Ooh, I don't like that. Well, either you did the exercise or you didn't. 
if for three weeks you don't do the exercise, you really can't contribute. And that could have been the fail, but that was working. It, it's kind of self-selecting. Yeah. And maybe it was wrong of me to say, look, you need if you're going to be in a writer's group, you should write. But then I invited someone who I, I shan't name, but can picture far too well, who wrote, but also talked too much. And for those of you who don't know, I'm actually extremely social. I am, I've been told I am hypersocial sometimes. I like meeting new people. I like crowds of people. I'm not an introvert. I'm an actual extrovert. Uh, yes, I do shut up occasionally, but not me. You don't shut up or you're not an extrovert? <laughs> Neither, really. Okay. I'm a very socially apt introvert. All these classifications aside, this particular add-in to the group couldn't stop talking. Hmm. And couldn't stop talking. And the other two writers quit. And that was the end of the group. And I, uh, it's obvious how you stop that. But it was an unsatisfactory end. So groups have to have some way of both encouraging participation, which either you bring something or you don't, and and discouraging, monopolizing. Yeah. My, my first group was an attempt back when I was in college, and a friend of mine had finished his book, and I had just started, I'd been mushing, as I've said many times before, mm -hmm. and I had written my first short story for On the Basis of a Fading Sun's Mush, and I, I, I won fourth place with it, but I discovered in, in a story contest, but I realized that I, I really kind of wanted to write a whole novel about it. So I'd been writing a bit on it, and I got to a good 10,000 words, a, a beginning, a couple chapters. And he said, well, we should sit down and look at each other's stuff. Now, the problem was, at the time, my style was more Jane Austen, and his style was more Raymond Chandler. My challenge was, he used all very short sentences, and they were all very action sentences, and they were very action words, and it was terse, and it was too terse for me, and and I, this is, there's no, there's no flow to it for me, it was very jerky, and at the end of the first 10,000 words, which we'd agreed, I didn't like any of his characters at all. <laughs> and he read mine, and he's like, your sentences are too long. I don't need to. You know. And so he kind of ripped through and, and ripped at mine because he hated everything to do with the Jane Austen style of writing. And we very quickly decided it probably didn't work reviewing each other's stuff, comma, but the advantage of somebody else having read my stuff and not liked it at all made me go look at it through a different set of eyes. And I found that, okay, maybe my sentence is running along and a little too many clauses strung together. And okay, he had a valid point, which I had to get over myself to realize that, you know, that that was a point. Now, I don't like them as short as he wrote them. And I don't know whether he ever went back and added a little bit more flow to it or not. But at the same time, it was really worth it to get that other point of view, even if we kind of both said, okay, this isn't going to work for the way we need to critique right now. I, I tried again with a couple other friends, and in one it worked. For one of them, I really enjoyed reading it, and the other one was just kind of harder to read. You mm -hmm. know, when somebody 
wow, there's a good story in here somewhere, but I'm having a very hard time getting past the mechanics, which need a good dose of Grammarly or something before I see it, or even, you know, <laughs> I love Grammarly. I think uh, I don't use it myself, but I've sent a couple people that way, and they've came back with something that was far more readable, because if you're if you are not, you know, a great writer already, but you have stories you want to tell, extra help can help. I mean, even if you're just writing it in, in Microsoft Word and hit the spelling and grammar and let it fix things for you, mm-hmm. let it fix things before you send it to somebody else. Oh, God, especially spelling. <laughs> well, it, it's spelling and flow that makes it easy. So I, I kind of had two that really didn't work very well because it was very hard. Didn't to- you also have a friend who wouldn't be in a writer's group with you? Oh, gosh. No, no, not wasn't that. It was um, Carrie, Carrie Vaughn. Hi, Carrie, if you ever hear this. Carrie was awesome, but after this Carrie experience, Boston, yeah. she said to me, you know, we were at a convention together hanging out, and she's like, yeah, I don't really read friends' stories. A lot of people send me stories. And I, I understood it, but I didn't understand it until now that I've written a few books, and somebody's like, oh, you have to read this thing I've written if I don't know you at all, or how do you criticize somebody's darlings? How do you take that back to that, you know, say, (laughs) wow, I am not only not the token person for this, but have you considered Grammarly? And so I'm I'm still in the, how do you just say, no, I don't really want to read your story right now. Um, Or you could say, I'm sorry, I don't read unsolicited manuscripts or those from (laughs) friends. I'm I'm not. She has a good solution. She does. and, And she has a good point about it. Whereas you do have a friend reading, or you had a friend reading one of your works, but that was a more professional relationship. I, I do. I asked for editing. I cheat in a couple of ways. I have now paid a couple different people to uh, review and edit. I mean, thinking, okay, I'm on my third novel now. I uh, just finished it. Hopefully going to pitch it and you all hear about it next week Yay. at the World Fantasy Con. But I have to go through the other people reading something to tell me if what am I missing? Because you have to make sure that everything out of your brain gets out there, which is why you have a writer's group in the first place. Oh, my God. What? I totally forgot to ask you. You're going to World Fantasy totally Con Totally going to week, World Fantasy you? Con next week. Yep. And you're going to pitch your stories there? I hope so. Um, in particular, I've just finished a historic fantasy noir, and I sent it through my writing group, my, my beloved Flying Cars. Mm-hmm. And... My big worry was that somebody was going to say, Jeannie, you have a plot hole the size of the Marianas Trench here. This makes no sense. Or pacing or all of those things that I see self-help books there go on about. Did I have any of those sins? Did I have a gun on my mantelpiece that I didn't use? Hmm. Did I have a string that I didn't tie up? You really do need another human being to read these things for you before they go out. So it's important that somebody reads your work. But you have to find the right mix and the right people and approach it in the right way. And you're right, not just talking on and on, and especially the hypercritical, because hypercritical doesn't get you any good because that just hurts your feelings in the same way that somebody who reads it and says, oh, I loved it, that this is great. And they don't have anything concrete to say this was confusing, I, or this was blocky, or I didn't understand how did they get from the staircase over to the back door. I or, haven't read your novel, but I've read a few minor excerpts of it. Yeah. And uh, you're an excellent writer. I'm, I think she, you guys should read her writing, frankly, Aww. of Coffee and Angels. Yay. Coffee. Um, a- angel Silence and Coffee. Angel Silence and Coffee. Yeah. Thank you. 
of writers and coffee and angels. No, that's wrong. Silence. We don't have silence. But um, World Fantasy Con LA is going to be the week. It's Halloween, basically. Yep. Right after this episode, I believe, will come out. Yep. So you, if you if you make it to World Fantasy Con and you've heard this, go look Jeannie up. And I believe and Chaz will be there, too. Chaz is going to be there. There's... Um yeah, a few of my writers group, Madeline's going to be there. I swore that I would go to her 9 a.m. panel so that they would have one perky person to talk. With coffee. It's not that I'm perky at 9 a.m., but I drink a lot of coffee. A so, lot of coffee. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of the inspiration to GTD or get things done, sometimes you were talking about Inktober. Do you know much about Duotrope? I think I talked, brought it up you briefly. Yeah. Tell me more about Duotrope. Let me, let me dig into it a little bit more deeply. I am a, I am a subscriber to Duotrope. So for the rocking cost of five bucks a month, I'm going to advertise one for one cup of coffee at Starbucks, sort of, depending, not an airport. You can get onto Duotrope. And Duotrope has a bunch of really, really neat stuff about it. Uh, when you get your Duotrope, you get a little, you know, weekly newsletter that says things like, these are new paying markets that are listed, and they tell you if they want, you know, fiction or poetry or nonfiction or what. And they have non. Then they tell you about non-paying markets. Then they talked about new literary agents listed, and then new literary agents that are newly open to submissions. Maybe they were shut down for a while, but now they're open to being queried again for representation. Wow. Yeah, right? And That's a huge resource. They also have things like uh, markets that have temporarily closed to submissions or, hey, they filled out their anthology, they're done, they're not taking any more, uh, don't send anything here, and or their website doesn't respond or isn't getting updated, or I, I'm not sure what all fits in that, but it's good to know. Like if you say, uh, I submitted something to OK Donkey, they haven't written back to me, oh, I see that OK Donkey's on the list of possibly closed. They also go to literary agents temporarily closed, major status changes. Uh, they interview agents, which is very, very handy to read what agents have to say about what they're looking for. Wow. And then the best thing is at the end is what I call upcoming themed deadlines. And this is why we talk about there is nothing so inspirational as a beautiful, beautiful deadline. <laughs> I believe you mentioned that now is the time for all good writers to look at the Christmas stories. Right. This is October. For those with a really quick turnaround, if you have Christmas stories or you say, oh, I want to write about a, a vampire and a ghost and a donkey, I'll walk into a saloon. Uh, well, what do they want to do there? Why not go out and look through the different upcoming themed deadlines? So here, what did I say? I said donkey, vampire, vampire and, ghost. and ghost. So let's look. I have one that's trees. One, Christmas and winter festivals. Giving. Judaism, loss and grief, pride, bewitching love, message undeliverable, terrifying tales and poems with blasphemous themes, getting on, is it safe, South Florida. Do you see what I mean? This is very reminds wow. me of Inktober, as you were describing. Yeah, because the, a vampire, a donkey, and a ghost could, they come could up fit with about two-thirds of those without stretching at all. Intimate, and with a little bit of stretch, yeah. we're back in South Florida. Intimacy and isolation. I have a ghost. <laughs> Can they touch? You know, glamour, romance, imprisonment. I'm just literally reading down a list here. Twisted love, Alaska. Twisted love, Alaska and South Florida. Uh, people of color, speculative stories through queer narratives. Youngsters who go caving. Christmas, horror when hell freezes over. 
Christmas, wintertime Christmas, decadence, dress you up Christmas anniversaries. So seriously, people, write a Christmas story with your donkey, with your donkey, your ghost, and your vampire. Why not? And that's what I mean by the theme, is you can go in there and you click on it, and you're like, what are they really asking for? Because it takes you to the submission pages, and it says, all right, what are they looking for? How do they want their submissions? How do I get into this? Oh my gosh, I'm on a roll. How many words does it need to be? All right there. And that's what I mean by there's nothing so beautiful as knowing that. And then Duotrope. It, yeah, Five bucks Duotrope. And then there's sponsored contests, which are things like uh, the Wurgle Flump Humor Poetry Contest. Which did you read that or did you make that up? I swear to God, I read it. I actually sent something to them a couple years ago uh, because I'm not much of a poet, but I wrote something that I thought was funny. It was um, an ode to Michael Jackson. <laughs> They didn't think it was as funny as I did, or maybe I didn't fit the modern forms. Was he the vampire? Well, the problem is tragically it rhymed, which makes me horribly out of fashion, I think. I I don't know, but... Uh, All that Edwardian writing you're doing. Yeah. Jane Austen, Jane Austen, Jane Austen. There is also one more kind of cool resource that I liked that I wanted to talk about. It's called querytracker.net. And this is where you can go out to search for literary agents under different... Um, genres, publishers. So again, I've got a story I've already written about a vampire, a, or I, I or I want to finish it, or where does it go? I just I just know what I want to happen in a bar. You can go out there and look for saying what's out there, what publishers you can socialize with other people. So Query Tracker is another place to get registered, keep track of who you've sent what. Keep track of who you said one to. I have, Very important. I have two different places I keep all of my submissions. Like I, for my short stories, I use Duotrope because it's easy. It's also kind of reassuring because it tracks the number of days for you and says, right, this is over a certain amount of time. The market may be defunct. You're probably safe to submit it somewhere else. Wow, that's useful. Very useful. Um, I And so I, I do all of that also in, I keep it once I've been accepted in a second document so that if somebody says, well, show me all the things that you've written, I can say, hey, all of my short stories that I've ever written have been published and here's a list of where to find them. So it's handy either way. Very. Have all your short stories been published? Yeah, isn't that cool? That's amazing. I mean... There's two of them I did myself because nobody loved Angel Silence and Coffee as much as I did, except for the nice man who made part of it into a movie. An award-winning movie. An or award-winning an award-nominating movie. movie. And, uh, yeah. So, I have a 44% acceptance rate, which is reasonably high. No Clark's World or Asimov's yet, but, you know, fingers crossed. That's, that's reasonably high. Yeah. So, I'm going to um, throw one thing out here. Please. The Inktober official 2019 prompt list by the Society of, what is this? The Society of Visual something. SVS Learn. The prompt today is ancient. The prompt yesterday was ghost. So, ghost vampire, uh, you've got it. All we need to do is find... uh, a donkey in there, and that would be the 28th. You could rhyme. rewrite the rhyme of the ancient mariner in modern limerick. I think that's been done, and I don't think I want to take it on. Aww. <laughs> um, but I would invite anyone who's listened to us or, or read about this to 
to clue me into more prompts, more prompts. And if you have another service like Duotrope or like uh, Query Tracker, QueryTracker.net, to let us know about it and tell us what your favorite is. Of course, if you have any questions, please send us your questions, your queries. And let us know, do you want more of these discussions or shall we have more stories? <gasps> yes, we love stories. We, we love stories. We will put links to stories uh, that are on the air and interesting things we mention on our website, which is www.ridersdrinkingcoffee.com. You hear that again, www.ridersdrinkingcoffee.com. We're also on Fitter and, Fitter and Twicebook. Twitter and Facebook, or even Twitter and Facebook. Twitter and Facebook. We totally answer messages and emails, so anything you want to send. You've been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our main web support magic is brought to you by Deirdre McGaffey-Schween, and our sound engineer and backup web spider is David Welsh. Our intro music is Pretty Made Milking a Cow. And our exit music is Breakfast with a Morning Person, both by Michael Langberg. You can hear lots of music by Michael Langberg on manyhatsmusic.com. Our podcast sponsor is Jackal Designs, enabling you all to be able to buy cool WDC swag, including the brand new Live at Mally's recorded on the world's prettiest microphone t-shirt, which is awesome! Totally.